Well, I am delighted to say that joining me on the Godcast today is Ross King, MBE. And Ross probably doesn't need much introduction. He's very well known <laughs> as being on the telly. Scottish TV presenter, actor, writer, uh, LA correspondent for uh, Lorraine and Good Morning Britain. And, and uh, of course, I'm sure a proud moment, which we'll talk about hopefully, is uh, Ross, who was uh, honoured with the MBE in 2018 for his services to uh, broadcast in the arts and charities. So, Ross, it's absolutely brilliant to get you on the Godcast. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you, Alex. Yeah, what an introduction. No, I definitely need an introduction. And uh, of all the ones I've had, that was the most recent. So it was very good. <laughs> no, it was good. Thank you so much. It's, it's lovely to be here. Thank you for having me on. Right. Well, let's start with the big news of the day on the television. Uh, Megan McKenna is joining the uh, Celebrity MasterChef. Oh, no, not that. Uh, <laughs> Harry and Megan and uh, good old Piers Morgan. And, yeah. And we just had a very brief word before we record, started recording. It's been a busy time for you. It has been crazy. I mean, I, I, I'm very fortunate to work at all. Uh, but obviously, when huge stories like this break, I've been, oh, what have I done today? I've done, I've done obviously British TV. So Good Morning Britain, Lorraine. Then we did Australia, Channel 7. Then we did uh, two of the stations out here in San Diego. Uh, then we did radio in Scotland uh, for Go Radio. Um, and I've got three more TVs to do today. Uh, and then Lorraine tonight. Uh, you know, my time here in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, but it's wonderful. You know, it, again, as I said, I mean, I genuinely do mean I am very lucky, very fortunate to to be working. And you, we know with the situation all over the world, you know, people just devastated. So, you know, and anything that I can do at the moment, as my dear old dad used to say uh, from Glasgow, every day above the grun is a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Very true. <laughs> Ross, can can I ask? Is um, I've got to ask this because it's just on yeah. my mind. You know, are you you know, you, do you get kind of the email from GMTV saying, you know, say as little as possible? Because because I just want to ask you, what's your yeah. thoughts? You know, it, you know, I mean, Piers is is very much chalk and cheese kind of character, isn't he? Um, I, I like him in mm -hmm. small doses. I, I I couldn't I can't sit and watch him for uh, two hours. You know, twenty a whole one. <laughs> <laughs> You know, what's your taking it? You must have known him for years and years. Yeah, yeah, I've known Piers for a long, long time. Uh, you know, he, he Piers um, is is a great uh, dinner companion because he's got so many wonderful stories, as you can imagine, over the years. And he's got some great stories that obviously that he couldn't ever tell an air. So it's great, great to hear them when you're at dinner with them. Um, and, you know, I've considered him a pal. You know, he's we've had great banter over the years. We've had, you know, great dinners out here in, in L.A. as well. Um, you know, he really shook things up and that's, you know, that's Piers is, is very much his MO, isn't it? He comes in, he shakes things up. Um, and that's what he's certainly done. And in the world of breakfast television, especially, you know, he's he's really, you know, shaking things up. Um, so, I, you know, I think from Piers' point of view, just maybe now, well, from, you know, what I've read, I haven't, haven't spoken to him. Um, I just think, you know, that he's obviously thought, well, I can have done that now. You know, it's quite a long time that he's, He's been there. Um, what is it? Something like six years now that he's been on the show uh, with Susanna. So I think everything has, at some point, you know, as we all know, um, you know, things do come to an end. And um, and I think for him, he's probably just thinking, you know, what I've got to that point now. I've sort of said said all that I want to do, um, and then just time to move on. 
What's your What's your gut instinct in terms of replacing Piers? Do you think um, ITV will? Well, I'm not sure you can go like for like with Piers Morgan, but do you think? Yeah. Do you think? No, do you think they'll go? It, it's going to be. I mean, I'd love to be in. A, I'd, I'd love to be a fly in the wall um, to hear the talks that are going on, which obviously, you know, I'm not ever way, way, way above my pay grade. But it would be interesting to hear just what they're thinking. You know, again, as you say, do you go for someone like that? Do you go for something completely different? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think with all these things, there's merits in absolutely everything, isn't there? You know, you could argue either way. So, I, yeah. I you know, I, I think I'm very fortunate that with me being in Los Angeles, I'm kind of away from it all. And I'm in a little bubble here up to a point. So it's great that I don't really get involved in things too much. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes I, I'm hearing things, you know, like with peers, I just read it online as... Most people did, you know, so I was getting phone calls from friends going, is this true? And I'm saying, well, I don't know. I've just, I've just read it online as well. Um, So in many respects, it is quite nice just to be a little bit removed from it all. And again, to just look at it, the outside looking in and going, wow, what's going to happen? Yeah. Ross, let's, let's take a little trip down memory lane because you're there in your beautiful home in Los Angeles um, but you're a Glasgow boy, is that right? Mm. Yep, born and bred in Glasgow. Yep, Clyde, Clyde built, as we used to say. I, I was a kid, I worked at the radio station and it was Radio Clyde. And that was a thing that our, our boss at the time used to always say, you're Clyde built. And, you know, like the, ship, like, like the ships. But thankfully I haven't sunk yet. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> and was it, was it a happy childhood? You got good, so far. You got good memories of being a kid in, in the in Oh, Glasgow. lovely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, again, I think we all have those memories of of summers just being endless. And, you know, how on earth I actually think that we had a, a summer in Glasgow that lasted seven or eight weeks. I mean, that's just ridiculous. So, <laughs> I mean, it's like, where did that come from? Did I, as a child, did I visualise this idyllic uh, summer? Uh, but having said that, we used to go to the Isle of Wight a lot on holiday. Right. Um, and it's funny right. that I never, with mom and dad, we never had, we never had, you know, a trip to Europe or anything. Everything was all around the UK. So I oh. always think of, you know, my summer holidays being in places like, you know, Paynton and Torquay and mm-hmm. Bournemouth and Great Yarmouth and the Isle of Wight and all these places. And it was great to go and see all around that wonderful, uh, you know, coastline. And then also in Scotland to go to places like, like St Andrews and Nairn, which is weird. And here's the weirdest thing: in Nairn, I met Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, I was reading that. Was uh, yeah. yeah, and it's just the weirdest thing that I still, even when I talk about it, I just go, "Oh my goodness me!" I met. Char- I mean, I was only I don't know five, something like that, but I I vividly remember it and vividly what? thinking, "Why is this man not got a bowler hat and a little moustache?" <laughs> what was he doing? Was he there on on? Uh... Promo or was he just no, on the he, beach? He was on holiday, yeah, with uh, his wife and they were walking along the beach. I remember, this is weird as well, because you know how sometimes, I, I was interested, I was watching something the other day and someone was talking about your memories, but your memory is a memory of a memory, of a memory, of a memory. So it's interesting how that you can say, well, did that really happen? Or is that, that's my memory of the latest memory that I had of it. Sounds like I'm getting into like a Christopher Nolan movie here, um, <laughs> but it is a little bit like that. And um, you know, I do remember my mom just going, 
look, it's Charlie Chaplin. And again, as a kid, because I'd seen Charlie Chaplin, I remember that. Maybe I was a little bit older then. Anyway, I, I digress in a, in a Ronnie Corbett kind of way. Yeah. And now Barbara Dixon. <laughs> that's a good one for the, that's a good one for the kids. And now Barbara Dixon. Um, uh, so, yeah, I just remember thinking he should be this man with the stick and the moustache and the bowler hat. But he did. I remember he had a big black coat on, big thick coat, because it was a summer in Indian. <laughs> and a hat, like a sort of horn, horn, hornberg, is that the name of that? Anyway, I just remember that. Um, and it was twilight, so it was almost like a scene from, I think people remember the movie Local Hero, just with the, the end of the sun just glistening on the yeah. water. And uh, it, was a magic, it was a magical moment. And then, for me, the thing that made it even more special was, then when I got older, I started collecting memorabilia just always done it since I was a kid. And um, my, I said to my mom, oh, can you imagine if I'd had Charlie Chaplin's autograph? And she said, Aunt Betty's got it. And I went, what? Wow. And she said, yeah, he, he was at the Glasgow Empire in 1930-something or whatever, and Aunt Betty was a kid. And, and I was like, really? And ask her. So I went to ask Aunt Betty, and Aunt Betty said, yes, I've got it. And it was in a drawer in her sideboard, you know, like we hit the back. You know yeah. how like now Michael McIntyre always says it, you know, we have the man drawer where you've got the 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 old double A batteries and they just can seem to reproduce. And then yeah. you've got the, the old currency and then you've got the key to the side gate yeah. of the house that you've never visited and all that stuff. Um, and um, she just pulled it out. And so it was this beautiful pencil autograph of Charlie Chapman, which um, I have got and framed yeah. and all the rest of it. Beautiful. So. So yeah, so child, so childhood memories, very, very fond memories. No, yeah. no bad, you know, incredible. I mean, I think so lucky to be brought up in such a loving family as well. Yeah. Was there was there a religious uh, side upbringing in your family? Ross mm. being from Glasgow, are you, which side of the? Uh, the <laughs> well, you see, this is the, it's it's interesting, and again, so obviously, uh, you know, people will know Rangers, Celtic, you know, very much like Protestant, Catholic that whole thing. And I was brought up to be, and I was, uh, a Partick Thistle supporter. So in Glasgow, you've got Rangers, you've got Celtic, and then this little team, Partick Thistle. Uh, <laughs> I, or as Billy Connolly always called them, their full title, Partick Thistle nil. <laughs> it's always Rangers <laughs> three, Partick Thistle nil. Celtic three, Partick Thistle nil. Um, so they were my, my childhood dream. And I, I, you know, I went to them as a schoolboy to, to play for them and things like that. But, um, Brought up, I, I, I mean, I always remember being a party thistle supporter, so I don't think of anything else. Uh, but yes, yeah, certainly from the the religious side of things, Dad, uh, Salvation Army. He was the the you know the choir, the choir leader, the songster leader, played in the yeah. band, conducted the band, did a lot of the sermons, and then my mum was Church of Scotland, and played the piano. So it was very much a musical background, uh, but, you know, Sundays were, uh, Sunday morning was, uh, Sunday morning was Sunday school at church. Sunday afternoon was Sunday school at the Salvation Army. Right. So, yeah, so it was a huge, huge, huge part of my upbringing. And the, the funniest thing was that um, getting into the business, I never... I, I was going to be a footballer and that was kind of easy. My dad was a good footballer mm. and I thought, well, this is, 
what I will do until I discovered that I wasn't I wasn't very good. <laughs> um, but the 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 interesting thing was that um, with uh, Dad was that then when I said I wanted to go into like show business, and Dad was very much like you know, and Mom is saying we don't know Coco the clown, so we don't know how to get you into this. And mm-hmm. um, anyway, jumping way ahead. Um, when I was out here and I was working for KTLA, big station here in Los Angeles, the Salvation Army here in Pasadena, which is a huge corps, um, then I must have said something on television one day and they were like, oh, my goodness me, Salvation Army, mm. come in, would you come and host an event? And I was thinking, sure. So I was going to do the event and I was thinking, you know, I'm hosting it. And I'm thinking, well, what 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 jokes do I do? You know, how do you know, what do I do? And then it came to me, of course, that dad did all these sermons, but he would always put jokes in it. And he would have, you know, he'd have great, you know, slight, even at times slightly irreverent jokes. You know, he would say that, um, you know, how he met my mom, she was a page three girl in the war cry, <laughs> which for those people who don't know, is that like the, 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 the Salvation Army's uh, sort of little newspaper. And then he would, you know, he would have, such great fun and jokes about a religious horse and things like that and um so i what i did was i just channeled my dad that night mm-hmm. and just said these were all the the jokes that i grew up hearing my dad tell on stage and it's funny to think that going into this business i never thought of the family were in show business mm-hmm. but you know there was my dad on stage hosting events doing jokes and you go da da yeah <laughs> Yeah, so, so is that is that kind of uh, spiritual side stay with you, Ross? It, oh yeah, it, yeah, yeah, very much so. Uh, you know, I, I still have, um, you know, you know, faith. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mean, I don't, I don't attend church, um, or or indeed the Salvation Army, or, um, you know, it's you know, and, and that was, a, I think, that was such a great thing with mum and dad, was that they were very much, you know, the the. They brought me up. They they taught me right from wrong, uh, but they didn't. It wasn't rammed down my throat, you know. And it was, you know, when when you know my sister Elaine and I, when we got older, it was very much like now your choice. You know, you don't need to go to Sunday school, or you can do whatever you want. And mm. you know, we'd like you still to have faith, but you don't need to go to church. Uh, you don't need to go to Salvation Army. You can you can do whatever you want. So I always I, I always remember that very vividly. That yeah. that which I thought was such a lovely thing. Very good. Glad to hear it. Um, mm. And you and you and the the radio stuff took off for you quite young, didn't you? You're only a young bloke, weren't you, when that happened? Oh, yeah, Alex. I was so young. Um, I was just lucky when I was at school. Um, again, there was the whole football thing, and then we had you know little bits of the acting, and then I hospital radio there's a, a wonderful math teacher i had called roddy hood who in turn knew another math teacher called mrs lawson and mrs lawson's son um he uh he was in hospital radio and my roddy said to me i think this is a, a good way to get in to the business and so that was it so i went along to hospital radio i was 15 i think i was 15 yes yeah, 15 or 16 and uh, went along and what was funny was that they put me in a studio and they said, well, you've got quite a nice voice. And I was like, thank you. And, and I it said, have you ever thought about being a DJ? And I thought, never given it a thought at all. And then they put on these different records and it was actually 45s, you know, in the albums yeah, and uh, put them on. And um, 
they said, you know, so now this was also back in the day when it was very much, you know, it was very, you know, you very much like jocking it, as we would say, you know, it was all 275 and 285, blah, blah, blah. You know, all that stuff. the super sound, you know, capital 95 point great coming to you from the Houston Tower and all that stuff. <laughs> and the idea was to do that voiceover in a record. So you hit the vocals and they had like they say, right, here's a stopwatch. And yeah, you time it. And that's a 18 second intro. And I would go, actually, it's a it's a four bar intro. And they would go, what? And I went, yeah. Or it's a two bar intro. Or, and they went, what are you talking about? And I said, well, you know, I come from a musical background. I don't read music, but I know because I've been stuck in front of as many bands at weddings and I know the introductions to songs and I know when they're going to sing because mm. that's when I would sing. So it was this weird thing. Like they brought people, I remember bringing people into the studio going, watch this kid. And they just pull out any song and I would do the voiceover and hit the vocals. Yeah. And they thought this, it was like a kind of like Harry Potter, early, early Harry Potter. <laughs> it was just so ridiculous, yeah, but it was yeah. this weird thing that I just, I could I could hit the the vocals because I'm just so used to singing. Yeah, you're taking me back there because I used to do hospital radio. Oh, just, be, just because I loved the freedom to take my record bags into the studio and play <laughs> whatever I wanted. I absolutely adored it. But you've got a great story about uh, that I just picked up today about wow. wet wet wet. You gave me a real break, didn't you? Tell us about that. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I want to talk to you about hospital radio as well, because I want to hear your stories, because we've all got these great stories of hospital radio for people who don't know it. it. They broadcast sometimes the tiny little places that broadcast to just one hospital or like HBS in Glasgow broadcast to loads of hospitals all in the Glasgow area. But we'll come back to that. But yeah, wait, wait, wait. Um, so there I was at Radio Clyde and I was doing a, I, I threw the night show two to six in the morning and um, and there's a friend of mine, Andrea Miller, and we would sometimes work together. And then she said, look, I'm getting involved with this band. And would you listen to the demos? And maybe we can even think about bringing them in and all the rest of it. And so they came in and uh, came in. This was wet, wet, wet. And I met the boys and, you know, they came all in. I was like, hi, 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 hi. And then the, the guy at the end said, uh, hey, my name's uh, Mark McLaughlin. And I went, oh, hi, Mark. And he went, I'm going to be called Marty Pello. <laughs> I was like, okay, fine. Sounds good to me. And uh, I then played the demo in the studio and it was a version of Stevie Wonder's Heaven Help Us All. There we are. How's that for a connection? <laughs> Ching. <laughs> it's a bing. And, um, and I played it and I was like, wow, mate, it was great. And they were great. And I, I was like, wow. So then I, I, I played it on air. And then also, it's funny you're talking about hospital radio, how you could just take in your bag of records. When I was at Radio Clyde, you know, you had a playlist, you had the A list and the B list, but you could also play whatever you want. You know, you could play once something from the A list and then two records on something from the B list, but in between you could play what you felt like. And I love that because you know, you'd look outside and go, oh, suddenly the sunshine and you know, this will sound great or that, or, you know, maybe the night before, again, this has gone way back, it'd be Miami Vice and you think everyone watched Miami Vice and that was when it was Phil Collins, Please Take Me Home or something and you play that and go, everyone see Miami Vice last night and all those sort of things. Um, and so what was great was I actually could play Wet Wet Wet, a demo. This is, I mean, anyone that's in, you know, radio now will go, really? <laughs> and you could play demos? And I would play it in between, say, like Spandau Ballet and Duran Duran. So the, the younger market in Scotland and in, in Glasgow in the West, 
they would hear this and it would be like, Duran Duran, Spandau Ballet, and wet, wet, wet. So, you know, when you're, it's like you're lumped in by association. Mm. So it kind of, I think it, it elevated them. I mean, they were brilliant and they were always going to do incredibly well. But some, I mean, hopefully I gave them a little help. Um, the boys have always been so great. Um, and, and in fact, when Popped In sold out, which was their first album, and it went triple platinum. Mm. So they then gave me a triple platinum disc, really? which was so, so lovely. So It's a great so, album. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great album. Oh, isn't it? Yeah, remember yeah. it well. Yeah. All great tracks on it. Yeah. Um, Ross, I just want to um, ask you, um, because you broke into TV as well, and um, and uh, being from Burnley and Lancashire in the northwest, there was a lot of love for uh, Diane Oxbury, who who sadly oh. passed away. And you did the was it the eight fifteen from Manchester? Eight fifteen from Manchester, yeah. yeah. She love was it. just she the, the you know she die she radiated this wonderful you know like with that's you know, she had that little gentle sort of like, you know, still the little sort of Geordie accent-y, Sunderland-y, you know, it was just, there was something about that. And then she would always do this thing, she would go, fun strokes, fun strokes, you know, and we had such, such a laugh. And I remember uh, one wonderful, we went to a premiere, and I think it was Robin Hood in, in London, and we went together, and I wore it. I don't often wear a kilt, but I don't know why I wore a kilt. Maybe there was some Scottish connection at it. And I went in, and the man who played Robin Hood, it was an, a movie that didn't do that well. I think it was Patrick Bergen, the actor. Um, and we went to the premiere, and the next day, there was photographs of Di and myself at the premiere, and not Patrick Bergen. <laughs> And I remember one coming back to me said something like the PR was not happy that there was a picture, you know, because this is, I mean, it wasn't like that day, those days when, you know, it was, you know, celeb type pics were everywhere. You know, it was like a kind of unusual thing that, and it was at the, at the, the premiere and it was Diane Oxbury and, and me. So um, yeah. And she was a great, a great broadcaster. I mean, obviously she had, you know, huge success, you know, she stayed, she, stayed at the BBC in Manchester. It was yeah. funny. You know, we, she was at Radio 1. She was the weather girl in the breakfast show That's with right. Simon Mayo That's at the time. And, uh, and it was funny. I remember Mark Goodyear, who was an old mate of mine, and we were, in, we were together at Radio Clyde, and he called me and he said, um, you know, I, I know you're going to look for someone for the show. Um, you know, there's a, a really lovely girl here. You know, can you get her an audition? And we were like, yeah, sure, of course. Um, and that was it. And she was she was a natural. She was an absolute natural. And again, just yeah. I, I chatted with um, one of the first uh, one of the first podcasts I did with, was with Gordon Burns, who worked with Diane at. Uh, oh, my York. dad! Do you know that I call Gordon Burns my dad? Is that right? Oh, I like that. I'll tweet him that. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah, say to him. You, I was speaking with your son because I, I, I did a show called Young Krypton, which was the kids' version of the Krypton That's Factor. Right. Oh, and Gordon, uh, in, uh, you know, at Manchester, mm. at Granada. And uh, Gordon was just so lovely because, you know, you come in and you're thinking, okay, I'm going to do Young Krypton. Is there going to be a little bit of, you know, all right, you know, I do the real one. I do the Krypton factor. You know, who's this upstart kid? I was really young at the time. And, um, and I met him. And I think I, 
Gordon, because he's such a brilliant broadcaster and a brilliant mind, he'll probably remember it better than me. But I've got a feeling I actually, when I met him, I just went, Dad. <laughs> and it and it kind of stuck stuck with it. Great. I like that story. That's great. So are you living in Manchester when all this was going on? Yeah. 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 Um, I stayed there for, for a long time. And then I'd go, um, I'm, I hate to tell you this, I, I would go to watch Blackburn sometimes. Thanks for coming on. And uh... <laughs> uh, <laughs> only joking, Blackburn fans are only joking. Because uh, um, uh, Alan Yardley was one of the directors of uh, the 815 from Manchester, and uh, he was a big Blackburn fan. So uh, I'd go and see Blackburn, <laughs> um, and it was yeah, it was. So I would go and see them sometimes, and uh, yeah. yeah, it was it was just a really yeah, it was just a. Yeah, it was just a really great time. And, you know, Manchester, you know, you were still, it was, Manchester was still a little bit of that Manchester scene mm. and the Hacienda and yeah. the Inspiral Carpets did the theme song for the 815 from Manchester. So it was a really, you know, it was like a cool time. And, yeah. Yeah. and uh, you know, one of the Gallagher brothers was a roadie for the Inspiral Carpets, came in when they were setting up in the studio. I mean, it's, it's just sort of one wonderful times I, I such fond memories of that whole area i'm going to stay in the northwest because yeah uh, i think i think you're probably the closest i'm going to get to one of my musical heroes so you're you're great mates with gary barlow who yeah i am the the vicar i think who, who loves gary barlow i've oh. followed take that since i was a kid and, uh -huh. and i've seen uh, seen take that and, and gary barlow uh how did your friendship how did that happen was that because he appeared on a show or something or yeah, um, and weirdly enough, there is the, the, the handwritten lyrics to Back for Good on, oh, yeah. on my wall there. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, what happened was that, so when I was doing the 815 from Manchester, uh, Nigel, who was a manager, kept pushing this band. And, you know, nobody heard of them, but they kept pushing and pushing. And Nigel was such a great driving force behind them at that time. And it was, you know, he would almost like just go, oh, this band. And then he would call up on a Thursday or a Friday and go, has anyone dropped out of the show? Because I've got, take that. And it, it almost became like a, almost like a running joke. And so uh, we had them on the show. And then I met the boys. And then I remember vividly. So this would be 90, something like that. 90, around about 1991. And we were at a Daily Star luncheon in London. And I was sitting with all the boys. And, and Gary and Mark were just going, oh, we're going to get dropped. We're going to get dropped by the label. And I was like, guys, you'll be all right. You'll get, you know, you'll get another chance. No, no, no. We're, you know, that's it. It's all over before it's even begun. We haven't had a hit. A great impression, by the way. <laughs> Not going to work, you know, and all that stuff. Oh, thank you. And I was like, come on, guys, come on, come on. Be, you know, let's let's be up. Let's be positive. You know, and then it was a bit, I, I, I do seem to remember as well going, you know, what about a cover version? And you can see Gary going, what? <laughs> you know, this brilliant songwriter, a cover version, you know. Yeah. Um, so we had, we had a great time like that. And then uh, obviously things took off massively for them. They come on the show. Then I was doing a show, Pebble Mill. They would come on at another little show at the BBC. So I would see them quite often. And then we kind of lost touch. And then I moved out here to uh, LA in, 20, uh, in 2000. And then by complete fluke, um, Gary was moving out here because um, he was doing just all songwriting then and producing and working with uh, other acts. And um, 
so we, we bumped, I can't even remember, always oh, at the airport, bumped into each other and then kept in touch. And, you know, it was, it was a weird period for Gary and his life, which I never, I understand it completely now. I didn't so much then um, because to me, like if someone's your mate, they're your mate. It doesn't matter whether they're successful, not successful, whatever. You know, and, and Gary was going through a very difficult period in his life, which he's, you know, he's talked about a lot in his book. Um, so it, it was an interesting time. But I think that what was lovely about that was that it, it probably brought, brought us closer together because it wasn't too sort of show busy, for want of a better description. Alex, you know, that we were just, it was like, oh, it's Gary and Gaz. Yeah. You know, and that was it. So, and, and yeah, and we, we've, we've stayed you know great pals he's been he's been a great pal to me and uh you know we had a lot of laughs over many many laughs over the years that's nice to hear that's really nice to hear ross are you surprised um his talent hasn't made quite been recognized in america hey well i i think it could and it still could and and indeed it has been in many ways more behind the scenes than probably people realize um but you know, again, for, for take that, you know, they had, you know, one one big hit over here. But in fairness to the boys, it, it, it's like, uh, you know, you know, one of the boys did say one time, you know, I can't be. And, and I understand that because it's a lot of work, you know, to crack America, yeah. and especially nowadays. You know, it used to be like, say, in Spandau's days and and Duran Duran's not that I'm saying it was easy for them, but you know, if you had, if True was a number one in Britain, people out here wanted to hear what was number one in Britain. And so invariably it, it probably became a hit. Mm. Whereas now, and you know, Ed Sheeran will testify to this. If you want to make it big here, you've got to come out, you've got to go around the radio stations, you know, like Ed would go around all these stations and they would take you and not to do interviews, just to meet like program controllers and planners. And you know, yeah, Ed yeah. would sit in the conference room and, and get out his guitar and get out his beats and his loops and all the rest of it. And then people go, oh yeah, oh that's good. Oh, well, yeah. well, next time round and all that stuff. So it, you've really, you know, unless something, almost something, say if you take, for example, One Direction, social media coming along and the planets aligning and that, a lot of the boy bands either taking a bit of a break at that time, Jonas Brothers or whatever, mm-hmm. and then social media, and bang, you know, that was yeah. the, the perfect storm. But, but Ross, um, I'm just going to digress here, because I, I love my music, and I'm a, you know, I've got quite a strong sense of music. I love my Gary Barlow, and I love my take that, but I'm a huge Depeche Mode fan. And it's oh, the, yeah. That's the reverse, actually. Uh, you just mentioned a few minutes ago about Pasadena. Uh, Depeche Mode never really became huge in the UK, but in America, it was just massive. And that was oh. kind of before all the social media and platforms. Well, what, what do you mm. think that was? Just digressing about the music stuff a bit. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I, I've, I've often thought that. Exactly. I mean, obviously, you know, Depeche Mode just can't get enough as a classic. You know, that, that in itself was a, a classic pop song in that everyone knows it. Um, but yeah, it was weird when I came out here that when I... I saw, and, and people, and Americans were like, oh, we're going to go and see this band. And I was like, I was like, oh, God, I remember them. They were like, what do you mean you remember them? You know, it's like, they're gods. And it, I don't know. It's sometimes, it's funny how you get mm. a, you know, what I'm trying, I'm just desperately trying to think of another British band like that, that 
people uh, go crazy over. Yeah, Bush, um, they were I, I, Bush, weren't they? They were, they were big in America. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Never really. Anyway, that's not. Let's 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 get back to you. <laughs> um, mm. Now, um, no, I'd rather I'd rather talk music all day. <laughs> well, we, we are we are going to talk music because I am uh-huh. wondering if I came to see you in a show in Blackpool. Oh um, yes. Were you in um, the Cliff Richard thing? Uh, Summer holiday. Were you in? Were you in that in Blackpool? I was in. I was that. I played Wallace H. Spencer, who was the the agent, the American agent. Right. So yeah, I was in that in summer. Hall. I, so in Blackpool, it was uh, Darren Day, right, Claire, yeah. Buckfield, Claire Buckfield, Faith Brown, and Faith and I did the sort of, for want of a better description, the comedy double act. Yeah, um, I have seen you then. <laughs> so um, so yeah, so I mean, again, that was it's what we we're just talking about. It. It's it's so weird that I went to Vegas last weekend, and this guy came up to me, and his name was Jimmy, funny, <laughs> born in Glasgow, <laughs> you couldn't make it up, okay. uh, but was raised in in in, uh, in Blackpool, and was the follow spot operator at the Winter Gardens in Blackpool when I was doing summer holiday, he was 17 at the time, Gosh. and he's gone into a great musical career himself, which yeah. is, is superb, but it brought back so many happy memories, and I, I was just saying, you know, again, as a kid, because, you know, m- most from if you're in obviously in a very working class background, which is you know where I come from, a council house and all that stuff, that you would go if you were lucky. September weekend was to Blackpool or to Morecambe, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's you know resonates and it sticks in your head, and you know it was such a place for Scots. So to do summer holiday, you know the Cliff Richard musical. And Cliff came to see it so many times. And to do it in Blackpool. And I just remember mum and dad coming down and my sister Elaine and her husband Jim and, and my, you know, my niece and nephew. And it was just, uh, oh, actually, it was just my nephew. And uh, you wasn't born then. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to come to Blackpool. And it was a beautiful summer. It was really, really amazing. Um, and to do that in Blackpool was just, it was just, it was perfect. And, the, you know, that theatre is just sensational. I mean, huge, whatever it is, holds three and a half thousand people. And we had people standing at the back. Yeah. And it was such a great fun show. It was a bit like a pop concert meets a panto. I remember, I remember the producers not being happy at me describing it like that. It's a musical. And I went, well, it is, but it's fun. And, it's, you know, and now if you said to someone, you want to go and see a pop concert meets a panto, mm. And to you, we go, yeah, because so many shows are like that, those jukebox musicals, as they're referred to. Yeah. Um, so, again, to be in Blackpool is just, you know, again, you, childhood. We you, you put up in digs in Blackpool. Can you remember where it was? I Yes, I stayed in uh, uh, Fleet, Fleetwood. Fleetwood yeah. So, yeah, as you look at the, as you look at the sea, so you're looking out to the piers, so Lytham's to your left. The posh end. Fleet, That's it. And then Fleetwood's to your right, isn't it? Yeah, that's so right. I was right down there. I was right down. Oh, I, I, lovely house that I, that I stayed in, right on the front. It was, yeah, yeah it was, it was oh, a real yeah. magical season. We, we were so ridiculously lucky. We were breaking all these box office records, you know. And I'm looking at the wall of people that had played there. You know, it was the Cannon and Balls. The yeah, Russ still there, still there. Oh, just yeah. amazing. And Ross, I deliberately wanted to go down the Lancashire route because a lot of yeah. people from Lancashire watch this. But but now there you are. You're out in LA, and I was watching your show reels. And by Jingo, you have met some. You, you, you've you've hopped up with the rich and famous, haven't you? And uh, you know, I was watching uh, you with Barbara Streisand, and and uh, I know I know you're friends with Michael Douglas as well, aren't yeah. you? And uh, yeah. 
you know, looking back, Ross, what would that kid who started out at 15, 16 mm. uh, be thinking, you know, somebody said, you know what, you're going to go to LA and you're going to, you do all the before you go to LA, you can do all these wonderful things mm. in, on British telly and then you're going to go out and, and you're going to meet everybody. I mean, you've met <laughs> them all, haven't you? I mean, it is, it is crazy. And it's, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm sure, you know, you know this, you know, better than anyone when you're, you know, giving advice to people or, or even in sermons or whatever, that we, we do tend to often just keep looking forward all the time and, and wanting more and wanting better and bigger. And, you know, whenever I, if I give talks to, you know, kids out here in universities or colleges or schools, you know, I always say that in my business you, you always seem to be looking up the ladder and going oh who's up there and, oh they're doing that and oh they've got that oh and I didn't get that or oh, they did and if you look down the ladder there's just gajillions you know trying to do what what we're trying to do um and I think it is nice I think it's lovely to keep moving I mean I've always you know that whole thing of with an act like mine I've got to be a moving you know be a moving target you know so <laughs> keep 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 going you know it's that old Glaswegian keep ducking and diving keep dodging um, but when it comes to reflecting and things, maybe that maybe that's it. Reflecting is better way to look at things. And you know, when I'm doing something like this, it's weird because you're saying these things, and it does. I, you know, I am and always will be that daft kid from Glasgow. So no matter what happens, that's that's who's in here. Mm. And it's so when clear. you say these, when you say these things, I'm like, oh yeah, oh, oh actually, that 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 is me or was me or whatever. Um, so, but then you have a moment like Barbara Streisand, as you as you mentioned there, and when I sat there, and what happened was I did an interview with her, and then two weeks later I got this phone call to say, oh, uh, got an interview with Barbara Streisand, and I said, oh no, you've got it wrong. I said I interviewed her two weeks ago, and they went, no, 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 she's got another part of the album um, she wants to talk about, and I said okay, but we've, we've just done it. And they went, no, Barbara said, you know, she wants you to come and do it. I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, and, you know, I went to see her and during the interview, I pulled out this old 45 that I had. It was a French 45. And I, I brought it out. And it's funny if I said, you know, what would, what would Barbara now say to this Barbara? You know, just for a, a kind, of, just a kind of fun thing. And then at the end of the interview, uh, a couple of things happened. One was she said, Ross, do you want me to sign that? And I was like, yeah, but you know, normally in these things, it's always very much don't ask for photographs, don't get things signed, etc." And I went, that would be amazing. And then she said, let's do a photograph. And I was like, and again, I'm looking around thinking, somebody's going to jump in and go, no. Mm -hmm. and, but I thought she said it. And then I was like, okay, no, you know, Miss Streisand is the, the ultimate perfectionist. And I'm thinking, well, she's going to have a photographer here or the light. She was like, I went, I'm looking for a photographer. She went, where's your phone? You got a phone? And I was like, yeah, like get the phone out. Come on. I was like, wow. So we did all that. And then I said to her, you know, the, I said, I didn't want to mention it to you last week. I said, but I was a kid and I went, this, this is funny, like almost like religious connection here. I went to see A Star Is Born in Glasgow, the, the movie A Star Is Born, the first, the, well, not the first one, one yeah. of many, but the one that starred Barbara Streisand and yeah. Chris Christopherson. Yeah. And I took Rosemary Hunter, 
who was George Hunter, who was the, the minister at Scotston West Church in, in, uh, in Glasgow. I took the vicar's daughter to go and see um, A Star is Born. And I said to her, you know, I fell in love that day with Esther Hoffman Howard, which was the name of her character in the movie. Mm. And I said, so this moment is really, really, really special. Yeah. And it was like she just gave me this hug and it was just that lovely moment where, again, you realize, oh, my goodness me, how lucky I am. Mm. And again, that lovely thing where I can look at the photograph and I can look at the the album cover and it just takes me to that day but also it takes me to being the kid in Glasgow it takes me going with Rosie to go and see the movie um and I think yeah you know those moments of reflection yeah it just it makes you realize how lucky you are and how many moments you know that I have to reflect on because for a lot of people they don't no do you know what uh Ross this is this podcast stuff I've been doing came by by chance really and you're my I think you're my 40th interview and I've wow I've, I've managed to interview quite a few famous people I don't know if it's the dog collar but I, I, <laughs> I asked the question and people say yeah I'll do that and when you went yeah I'll do it like Ross King's just said he'll do the conference <laughs> and it's, it's wonderful but you know what the, the I know, no you've got to say you've got to say but the dog collar's not real I just <laughs> I just thought I'd go down that road. <laughs> this, these, these aren't real academic books. These are wallpaper. I love it. You just thought I'll be the very reverend. <laughs> I, just, I, I got it on the internet. You know what? I'm a dustman. I'm a dustman by trade. <laughs> Even better. You can, you, know, up, you can just pick up that job as you go along. <laughs> but do you know what? I was, I was going to say that the, the, the people I've met, all of them, I've been yeah. really humble, like yourself, yeah. really, really genuine oh. and grateful for what you've got. And, and um, you know, if I'm one of those gazillions kind of somewhere, that, you know, I think it's wonderful because um, with the greatest respect, you're not, you're not Barbara Streisand, but you're a lovely chap. You're very well known and you've afforded me <laughs> your time. And it's just wonderful. It really is. And and, and I want to kind of, ju- I've taken enough of your time, Ross. I'm really all right. It's, all, it's all right. There's no but rush. We're okay. Gonna, We're all good. <laughs> I want to ask you about your MBE because, um, yeah. you know, it kind of comes full circuit with the Megan and um, Harry. And I, and I just look at it, um, you know, somebody who is ordained, genuinely, I promise, <laughs> comes on, a, you know, who swears allegiance to Her Majesty. I think the whole thing's been really sad, actually. But, and I think mm. in some ways it, it's damaging. But tell me about your MBE because I'm sure amongst all those stars and celebrities, oh. you're a British guy at heart. I can tell. Yeah. And, oh, very uh, much so. And that experience must have been incredible. Yeah. Well, I mean, the to go back to when I was a kid and growing up in Glasgow, and obviously Dad, Salvation Army, as I said, Mum Church of Scotland, and they did so much. I mean, I always remember even, you know, I'd, I'd call them even from here. And I would say, what have you done today? And they would go, oh, we just we just went to visit some of the old folks. And I would... I would figure it out and work it out that the old folks were younger than they were. And I used to think it was such a wonderful thing. Oh, we just went, you know, we went to the home to visit old Mrs. So-and-so. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking they're younger than you are, mom and dad. Um, and they were so lucky that they had a great life. And dad, I'm sure, you know, in many respects, similar to what I'm sure you go through is that people would call dad, you know, in times of heartbreak or in times of, need or whatever and 
I always remember because you know they lived in a little council house in 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 Knightswood in Glasgow, mm-hmm. and the phone was in the hallway, and then you got the, like this a longer lead, and then you could tell it was going to be a, a long call because Dad would take the phone and then sit on the stairs, and then when you had to go up the stairs, you know you had, you were like stepping over Dad, and then or he would close the door and then Mom would go, oh it's it's a long call, it's Missy so and so, she's just lost so and so or whatever. Um, and that was a great grounding and a great upbringing, I think, of you know people listening to other people's um, other uh, problems, and so that made such a difference. But coming back around to where we were going with this, which was that because of the work that they did. So as a kid, when I would look at the 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 Queen's you know the the birthday list or the New Year's honors list, and I always used to think. Dad, why? Or Mom, why are you not getting something? And Dad would say, people like us, you know, we, we don't get things like that. And I thought, oh, right. And so in my head, and he, even when I went into the business and, you know, other friends were getting, I never, ever, ever gave any of that a thought. Um, and um, so when it happened, when I got the call and then I got the, the letter and all the rest of it, it was just, it was, was surreal and I, I i do remember and i'll try not to get too emotional that i just remember getting it and looking up and going yep there we go pops <laughs> you were wrong for once in your life you were wrong you know people like us you know are going to get something like that and then on the day um i i you know again i often do the joke about you know i'd i'd only ever seen the queen on a stamp so when i met her i didn't know whether or not to shake her hand or lick the side of her face <laughs> so that happened <laughs> And um, I, you know, as I went in, and it was at Holyrood, which was even more magical because there I am in the mm. palace in, in Edinburgh. Yeah. And I had, you know, and my family were there. You know, my sister, and her husband, and, and niece and nephew, and then Paul Cooney, the man who actually gave me my job at Radio Clyde, because wow. I started there as a Saturday boy. He'd given me that, so you know, it was like full circle, and everyone was there. Mm. And I just remember waiting. And I had this weird moment where I just looked up and I could feel mum and dad. And and then your name's announced and then you walk forward and then it's, you know, Her Majesty. And it was the second time that I that I'd met her. And the, the, the first time, very quickly, I was doing a gig in Hyde Park. It was VE Day, a celebration of VE Day, not, not the original. <laughs> and uh, and uh, uh, she... She'd be a comedian. She was very far back. They built a little, a little sort of dais for her, and she was way back, and put a heater in and all the rest of it. So at the end of it, we get taken round to to meet everyone, and I thought it would be like a royal variety show. We'd all be standing in a line, and all, but it was very informal. And, and then someone said, "Oh, you know, would you like to meet Her Majesty?" I said, oh, "I'd love to." And as I, I literally turned, and she was there. And so, of course, you have to wait till she speaks to you, and you know, you call her Her Majesty initially, then you can call her Ma'am. Um, and and so she went. Oh, there we are. Oh, there we are. It was good show. And I went. Oh, thank you, Your Majesty. And all I could think of was how far back she was. This is in Hyde Park. And I said, "Ma'am, you were very far back." I said, "Could you see all right?" Right. And she said, "I was so far back, I could have stayed at home and opened a window." <laughs> <laughs> very good. <laughs> and, then, and then you know, and again, it's that funny because you go, "It's great." That's very funny, but you almost don't almost laugh as much as you should do. You feel yeah. like, ah, yeah. I'm going to be very polite, Mom. 
And um, and then when I got the the uh, the MBE, when I was standing there, and uh, go forward, and then she said, "You've come a long way," and I said, "Oh, uh, thank you, Your Majesty. In in my career or just today?" <laughs> and she said, "Well, both." And I said, well, thank you. And then she said, you know, do you, you travel back and forth a lot? And I said, yeah, four or five times a year. Um, I said, but obviously, you know, I just, you know, I'm here for this. And she went, you traveled specially for this from Los Angeles. And I said, yes. I said, man, it might just be another day for you gonging people. But I said, for me and my family, this is like a once in a lifetime thing. You know, it's a big thing. <laughs> so, and it was funny because she laughed because my sister, I've got a wonderful photograph of the Queen. You know, when the Queen smiles, it is just the most, she's got this amazing warm smile. And when it's there in front of you and, you know, you're thinking again, you know, oh my goodness me, it's the Queen. And no, I think, you know, no matter whether you're a royalist or, or anything, you know, the Queen is a remarkable woman, you know, and especially everything that she must be going through just now. Yeah. Um, it's just, uh, you know, phenomenal. So I just felt so blessed on that day and so fortunate and so, so lucky. Um, again, you know, as we're saying, to reflect on things, you know, again, just, uh, again, lucky lucky boy. Yeah. Ross, it's been wonderful. It's been an oh. absolute joy listening to your trip down memory lane. And, oh. you know, I'm right, as we say in Burnley, I'm right chuffed for you, lad, because it's... <laughs> It's cracking. It's a great story. It's a great, great journey from beginning to end, and and long may it continue. Do you, do you think you'll you'll stay in LA till you till you pop your clogs? Or <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I always say that whole thing. I'm I'm so fortunate uh, at this stage of my life that I've got you know enough money you know for the rest of my life if I die next Tuesday. <laughs> So, so, so now that, now that you've said that, pop my clogs. Wow, wouldn't it be funny if this was it? Um, die next Tuesday. I know exactly. Yeah. Oh, it's a premonition. What happened? Look at this. Look at this. Let's look at this. <laughs> exactly. Have a word. Have a word. He really was a vicar. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, but I want to ask you then. So, tell me about hospital radio. Did you have any jingles, or did were you the you? You, you hadn't been ordained by then, or had you? No, it's a long time ago. I was only a young guy, and it, and it was, and it, we, there was not even a playlist. It was just I did this beginning, the middle, and the end. But I did, I did get told off because I, I was uh, playing some song I can't remember, and, and I said down the mic, "Come on now, if you're not feeling too well, let's swing those colostomy bags in the air." Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Some some ward system would be up saying, "You cannot be saying this on radio on the hospital." Radio. I didn't like, didn't think anybody was listening, but you know, there's a few people. But yeah, I oh. loved it. I loved I loved hospital radio. I used to record oh. it and play it back at home, and I think oh. I've still got a few cassettes somewhere. But uh, oh yeah. wow, yeah, and you should go back into it again because you've got such a, a wonderful, warm personality and, oh, and a lovely you. charm. So it'd be you should definitely. I mean you. The rocking, the rocking, raving rev or something. I mean, I think we could, we could build it all up. In. Well, if you want to be my here. agent, Ross, if you want to take me out to LA, the weather's <laughs> been absolutely lousy. <laughs> well, listen, you're the one with the contacts. Do something about it, <laughs> Ross. It has absolutely been fantastic, oh. and uh, we we send our love to you from Lancashire and Thank England, you. and uh, congratulations on all your achievements, and oh. and thanks so much for coming on the Godcast. 
It's been a Thank joy. you. I mean, I, I, I looked at the list of people you've had on it. I'm, I'm the only person I've never heard of. <laughs> no, I've not heard of you either. <laughs> so well done. Congratulations <laughs> to you. Brilliant. Thank you. God bless. And we'll see you again. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers, Alex.